The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Go ahead and grab them and open them up to uh, the table of contents. Scroll down until you find Jonah and then open up to that page. Uh, I say that because Jonah typically is either one or two pages in your Bible, and it's very difficult to find. So maybe by the end of this series, uh, you will actually know where Jonah is in the Bible, and you'll be able to navigate through. It's between Obadiah and Micah. I hope that helps. Uh, So Jonah is uh, the series that we started last week, and uh, we're going to continue through all of chapter one today by God's grace. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to you. How many mamas are in the house today? Okay. We got some mamas. Yeah, you can cheer for them. You know, there's an old saying. I don't know how old it is. It's a saying that we used to say when I was a kid. Uh, and it kind of goes like this. Uh, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. Uh, and so we, we would say that a lot around my house because uh, my mom was a bear. Uh, and if she ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so uh, the book of Jonah is a lot like that because if God ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy, right? Uh, and so not, not Jonah. Jonah's not happy. He's not a cheerful guy. You know, the, the ship is not happy. Not the captain's not happy. The, the sailors aren't happy. The waves aren't happy. The wind's not happy, right? Even the, even the fish is not happy in this story uh, because he's going to have a bellyache for about three days here coming up. Uh, and so uh, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with this message. It's just the best connection I could think of to get to Mother's Day. <laughs> some, of you, some of you are like, hey, uh, what was the sermon about today? And all you're going to be able to remember is, if God ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? And that's what you're going to tell them. But listen, that's not the point of the message, all right? Uh, listen, uh, Jonah is a book about God. It's a book about how God continues to speak how God continues to speak to men and women just like you and me. Uh, It's a book about God who speaks. It's about a God of love. It's about a God who forgives, about a God who redeems and saves and sometimes wrecks our lives in order to do it. And and listen, I love you moms, but this, this sermon, this book is not about you. All right, I say that a lot. Welcome to Life Point. Uh, I say all that to give you time to get to Jonah, and so if you're there, we're going to start in chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord, it came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now, here's the deal. Is God's word is still at work. All right. And so if you were here last week, we covered those three verses. But I just want to remind you that God still speaks to your life. God still speaks into your life and tells you things like, hey, I want to use you for this cause. I want to use you for this purpose. I want to use you in this way. And so the word of the Lord, it still comes to us. It still calls men and women. He still calls people to come and and reveal and unveil the proclamation of salvation to a broken world. And, And it talks about he wants him to go to Nineveh. And if you remember last week, you remember what Nineveh was all about. It says that Nineveh was a harsh city. And so Nineveh was a city that that grew up in anger, that grew up in, in frustration with the cities and the towns around it because it was evil. It says in the scriptures that that the evil has gone up against God. And so Nineveh was a wicked city. Nineveh was evil toward Jonah's people. Nineveh was hostile towards God's people. One of their enemies was Israel the people of God. And God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Nineveh. What? Those, those evil people, those people who kill us, those people who torture us, those people who hate us and are trying to take over us, you want me to go and what do you want me to do there? He says, I want you to call them out. 
I mean, just imagine that. He wants them to call him out. So he goes to the people. And Jonah, he didn't want to go. And do you know why he didn't want to go? He didn't want to go because he knew God. In, in chapter 4 of Jonah, it says that Jonah knew God. And he knew that God was a gracious God. He knew that God was a merciful God. It says that he was slow to anger and abounding in a steadfast love. It even says that God was relentless to bring disaster. Is that the God that you know? Is that the God that you walked with? Listen, Jonah knew God in such a way that he could hear God's voice and he knew what God is like and he says that God was a graceful God. A merciful God, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, slow to bring disaster. And so many people in this world, when you have a conversation about God, they think God is angry or hostile. He's looking down, just waiting to be wrathful on you. Like God is somehow impatient and he's angry and he's looking for you to step out of line so that when you step out of line, he can crush you or smash you, especially those people, those people that we don't like. But Jonah knows God. He hears the voice of God. And he says the reason that he doesn't want to go to his enemies is because he knows that he's full of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love and is slow to anger. He says, he says I, I don't want to go and preach to Nineveh because, God, I know you're going to save them. I know you have the ability to save them. I know that your love trumps all of their evil. And I don't want to go tell them. And so Jonah, Jonah was bitter. He's probably angry. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to bring repentance and salvation. Really what Jonah wanted was vengeance. Anybody feel that way? Right? Someone stabs you in the back. Someone hurts you. Someone comes against you. And you're like, I don't want to tell them about the love of Christ. I don't even want to show them the love of Christ. I want vengeance. I want revenge. I want, I want them to be cast out. And God says, I want to bring them in. And so that word that is used here several times in verses 1 through 3 is this word presence. It says, uh, verse 3, Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it. To them, uh, Tarshish would take them away, away from the presence of the Lord. Th that word presence is actually translated as face of God. And so Jonah knows what you know. You can't, you can't run from God. I mean, there's nowhere you can go that God's not already there. There's nowhere you can, there's not a hiding place that you can somehow find and weasel your way into that somehow God can't see you and his presence is already there. But listen, he wants, he wants God out of his face. You ever been there? <laughs> I want God out of my face. I don't want him to talk to me about this anymore. I don't want this voice of God continually coming to me. Now, uh, I have a beautiful, wonderful, caring, steadfast, loving wife. And sometimes she says, hey, Eric, I want you to do this thing. Anybody ever been there? And I delay and I neglect and she comes back, hey, were you going to get to that thing? Yeah, 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 uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> and, so, and so listen, listen, it's not that I don't love her or cherish her or want her, but th there's times I know she's going to ask me that thing again, right? And I'm just like, can you just get out of my face about that? I don't talk to her like that. <laughs> At least out loud. You guys, you, get, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so Jonah is having this thing with God, and he's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get away. He can't, he doesn't let me go. And so he, he goes and he runs because honestly, God is calling him out of his comfort zone. God is calling him to a place of sacrifice. Listen, God is calling him to a place of surrender. Surrendering is hard. So many times what happens when the word comes to us, when it presses us, when it calls out to us, 
things like, hey, I want you to lay down that addiction, that thing that you're running to for hope, that thing that you're running to to somehow soothe you. I want you to walk away from that. I want you to walk away from your idols. When God's voice comes to us, the word of the Lord comes and says, hey, I want you to be generous, not with the leftovers, but with all that I've given you. That's a surrender point. When God comes to us and says, hey, I want you to give grace, I want you to forgive those who've wronged you. That's a point of surrender. When God's word comes to us and he says, I want you to honor those in authority of you. I want you to love the unlove you. I want you to make disciples. I want you to proclaim the truth. I want you to go tell him. I want you to go tell her about me. That is a point of surrender. That is a point that God calls us into. And he says, hey, I want you to step in to me. I want you to step into my salvation. And you know what we do? We run the other way. I don't want to give up that. I don't want to lay that down. God, don't you know what they've done to me? Don't you know how they've hurt me? You want me to do what? Surrender? No, I'm going to Tarshish. And wouldn't you know, there's a ship ready. Huh? There's always a ship ready. There's a ship ready to take him. Have you ever noticed when God calls you into a difficult sacrifice, into a place of surrender, there's always another road? There's always another path? There's always, typically, there's a path that is laced with pillows and comfort. Right? Typically, when God calls you into a place of sacrifice, there's always a road. There's always a more convenient place. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Why do so few find it? Because it is a gate of surrender taking up your cross, dying to self, living to Christ. That is a place of laying down myself and taking on Jesus. And saying, I'll go. I'll follow you. And so Jonah, he makes a sacrifice. He takes a path. He chooses a way. And he actually goes down and it says that he paid the fare. How much? Takes out his wallet. How much to go? How much to go? The other way. He actually made a a financial sacrifice to disobey God. Don't just look at me. You've been there, right? You've been there. And And so he's running toward the wide road. He's sacrificing to the God of self. Rather than surrendering to the God of life and salvation, he takes the easy path. This word. The word that came to Jonah, this word uh, in the Bible, it, it, it identifies it as living and active. The word of God is like a two-edged sword, which means that when the word of the Lord comes to you as it did Jonah, it typically means two things for you. The first one is that you see that God's word can comfort you. Anybody been there? When you're reading God's word and it actually soothes you and comforts you, and it comforts you because it's like a weapon and you can fight with it, you can fight against fear. And listen, listen, guys, when it comes to surrender, oh, there'll be fear. But you use God's word to comfort you because when I have God's word, I don't have to fear. I can't surrender. I can use God's word to fight against the lies of, against surrender. The fight against the lies of taking the easy path. And so God's word can, can comfort you and fight for you, fight against the lies. But his word also, it pierces and convicts. His word is truth. His word is living. And his word, when it comes to you, will convict you and it will transform you. This is the word that came to Jonah. Jonah. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, God will speak to some of you very specifically. God will speak to you. I believe he will. I believe he does. He speaks to you very specifically. And usually when he does, he says, he says hey, I want you to change something. I want you to go in a difficult direction. That's the word of the Lord. It comes to you and he says, he says, hey, I want you to change something. I want you to take a risk. I want you to be obedient to what I'm calling you to. 
And in the end, when the word of the Lord comes to you, every one of us will have a choice. We have a choice. There will always be a wide, convenient, ready ship that leads to destruction. And there will always be a narrow, difficult call that leads to life and salvation. What's he calling you to? Jonah paid a fare. He went down, and he went the opposite direction from the face of the Lord. Now look in verse 4. So he gets on the ship. They set sail. They're going out into the sea. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. That's a great, great storm. So that the ship threatened to break up. It's like their ship was breaking apart. And then the mariners, the fishermen, the guys on the boat, they were afraid. Yeah, they were afraid. And each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. So here's the situation. All the sailors are on the ship. This great wind, this great storm comes out. Now follow me here, because these guys are mariners, which means their life is spent on the sea. You with me? Right? And so you think they see some storms? Yeah, I'm sure they do. They see some winds, they see the waves rise, they see different things, but all of a sudden this is different. This is not just some, some climate storm that's blown in from the north. This is, this is the hand of God, and they recognize it. They're pagans. They're saying, no, no, this is a different type of storm. This is a storm that we've never seen before. This is a storm that is obviously given to us by God. Pagans knew it, and so they cry out to God. They've battled storms before. They've been in storms before. They know what this is about. But this storm, oh, this is a supernatural storm. This is a God-orchestrated storm. And everybody recognizes it. And so they're like, okay, since, since this is a supernatural storm, this is obviously some heavenly storm, I know what we need to do. We need to cry out to our gods. And so you got this guy over here crying out, and this guy over here crying out, and hey, you worship the God of this, and I worship the God of this, so let's all just cry out, and maybe one of these gods will hear us. And so this guy, he's got his crystals, and this guy's got his little temple shrine set up, and this guy's worshiping the God of the rain, and this guy's worshiping the God of the ocean, and this guy's worshiping the God of the wind, and they're all just like, oh, God of the wind, please stop. Oh, God of the rain, please stop. Oh, God of the waves, please. And so they're all out there praying to whatever God they think will somehow answer them, and not kill them. All of them. And so, they cry out to God. Look, look in verse 5 again. Then the mariners were afraid. They knew this was a God storm. And they each cried out to his God. And then they hurled the cargo. They hurled the cargo into the sea. Hoping that it would, it would lighten it. It would lighten the ship so that it would raise up out of the water and the, wind, the, the waves wouldn't destroy them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and laid down as fast asleep. Listen, as much as I see myself in Jonah, what I mean by that is, you see, there's times that I, I harden my heart toward the word of God. And so I hear, I hear God speaking to me or directing me, probably challenging me in some way, and I, and I harden my heart toward that. Anybody ever do that? As much as I see myself in Jonah, I see myself as the sailors on the ship quite a bit. Because many times in my life, a storm comes, and my ship is getting wrecked. Anybody been there? My ship is getting wrecked, and things are breaking up, and I get scared, right? And I get scared, and I'm afraid. And so you know what I do? My instinct is to cry out to God of self. Oh, God of self. Oh, Eric, uh, what, what are you going to do? Eric, how are you going to fix this? 
And I start crying out to my God of self, and I start asking myself, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to examine my situations and solve this problem? And you know what I do? I lie awake at night thinking to myself, Eric, how am I going to fix this? Am I alone? I know. I'm going to take the cargo, and I'm going to throw it in the sea. And if I take the cargo and I throw it in the sea, maybe my ship will stop breaking up, and everything's going to be okay in the end. I know, I know what I'll do. I'll, 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 I'll seek this God of opportunity, and I'll try and see some opportunity. I'll try and look for some opportunity that I can take so that I can fix this problem. And I'm going to, I'm going to try and make a door open up. So I can stop this win. Oh, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray to the God of medicine because I'm sick right now and I need, I need some medicine. So maybe, maybe some medicine's gonna, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try and figure out what's the best remedy and I'm gonna go after that and I'm gonna pray to that God or I'm gonna pray to the God of, of the deal to go through or I'm gonna pray to the God of this action or I'm gonna pray to the God of this solution and I'm gonna pray to the God, the idol of, of dependability before I actually go to the one true God. Anybody ever do that? And so I'm trying to seek all these other solutions and all these other gods. But God is there wanting to cry out. And the one guy who knows the one true God is sleeping on the boat. Check it, check it out. Then the mariners were afraid, and he cried out to his own God, and they hurled the cargo in, into the sea. And, and, and hopefully that it would lighten it. But Jonah, he had gone down to the inner part of the ship. And he laid down. And he was fast asleep. Listen, there's something unique about Jonah. And this is what's happening here. In, in Jonah chapter 3, it says that he went down to Joppa. It says that he went down into the ship. It says that Jonah here, he went down to the inner part of the ship. And, and then it says that Jonah went down to sleep. You see it? Here's the deal. There's a picture of really a downward progression of sin. There's a downward progression. It all starts with small disobedience, and it ends up in a spiritual disaster. Small disobedience great disaster. Um, a couple years ago, uh, my family and I, we went on vacation to the beach. Any beach lovers out there? I love the beach. I love the sun. I love laying in the sun. I love playing in the ocean. All right? I do. And so uh, my, my family and I, we went down uh, to the beach, and uh, we were out there one day, and my kids in that time, they fell in love with uh, body surfing. You guys know what that is? That's where you go out in the waves and you ride it back. Is it body surfing if you have like this boogie board to ride on? No, that's boogie boarding. Am I using that term right? Okay, so, so anyway, we, we, we were like, okay, we were body surfing at first. And then we're like, hey, I think this can get better if we get this like flotation thing, this little, this little board that we can ride on. And so we would go out and we would experience this, this riding the waves. I, I've got a picture of our vacation. Check this out. That's us. Bam. Okay, we spent hours riding these waves. Hours. We would get our boogie boards. We're like, hey, what do you want to do today? Let's go ride the waves, baby. And we go out, and for hours, we'd ride the waves. We would get in, and what you would do, if you're not experienced with this, is you would go out to right where, right where the waves start to build, and right before they crash over. You can see it back there in the background. See that wave starting to come up, the, the gray one, the dark one in the back? You would get right in that area right? And, and when it comes, you start kicking and swimming as fast as you can to try and keep up with the wave. And what would happen is the wave would grab you right before it gets over and it would rush you maybe 30, 40, 50 yards back into the shore. It was awesome. The whole time you're like, woohoo, check it out. You're like, oh yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a good one, right? And you're flying into the shore. You crash up into the shore. These waves crash over you. It's really awesome. You empty the sand out of your drawers, <laughs> right? And you're running back into the waves saying, hey, hey, did you see that one? 
did you see that? Did you see that one? And so a hundred times we must have said, hey, do you see that one? Do you see that one? Wasn't that awesome? Let's do that again. And so, and so it's so fun and it's so amazing. And we would do it for hours. And if you've ever been swimming in the ocean, you know that you'll start in front of one building And an hour later, you're 5, 15, 35 condos down the shore. <laughs> and you get out of the water, and you're like, where the heck are we? <laughs> you're like looking down the shore, like, I think that's it, like three miles away. <laughs> and then you realize you've got to take your board, and you've got to start hoofing back. If you're lucky, a fish will swallow you and take you home. You're walking back, all the way back through, but you're seeing the ocean crash, and you're like, hey, I want to get back in that, and you get back in it, and it takes you even further. And so here's the deal. Sin and disobedience to the voice of God, it always starts at home and leads you further than you ever wanted to go. Just, just drifts. You, you see, I've talked to enough people, and I... I've heard enough stories that adulterous relationships begins with an addiction to porn. Eating disorders, it begins with jealousies that you had as a child that you never really dealt with. Anger and frustration towards your kids probably started with anger and frustration you had toward your parents. A rebellious heart against God usually starts with resisting your parents or some authority that's given at a younger age. Beware of the drift. Beware of the drift. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. It's kind of like that, that parenting technique that we've all used. You walk in, and you're like, what is this mess? Pick this up. Hey, pick up your shoes. I'm going to trip on them. Pick up your shoes, put them away. Hey, hey, stop hitting your sister. Stop doing that, right? And what we do is we say, hey, hey, didn't I tell you to pick up your shoes? You walk back in 15 minutes later. <laughs> I, I told you to pick up your shoes. Come on, do it. Get, don't, don't, don't make me stop this car. Don't, don't, don't make me come over there. You know, and, and so, and so, I, didn't I tell you three times to pick up your shoes? I'm serious now. Stop playing that video game. Put down that controller. Turn the TV off. Go and pick up your shoes. Go put them away. Uh, 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 don't you even. I'm going to count to three. I'm counting. One, two, I'm at two, don't, you don't want me to get three, two and a half, you know what we're doing? We're teaching delayed disobedience. We've become masters of delayed disobedience with God. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. You know, I've realized that you can measure where you're at on your journey towards surrendering to God by your lag time. You can tell in your relationships the distance between when God gives you a command or lovingly encourages you to take the narrow path and the time that it takes you into your obedience. And, and I'm really afraid because we really find ourselves among a generation of people that go to church and are full of knowledge and know what they should be doing, but really have no intentions of really obeying any of it. And we live in a generation where we're just delaying, delaying our obedience. But, but here's the deal. Praise Jesus. 
because he's patient with me? Praise Christ that he's a patient God and he's full of grace and he's slow to anger and he is abounding in steadfast love. Praise Christ. So beware of the drift. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Look at verse 6. It's going to move from here. So the captain came. What are you doing? Get up, sleeper. Arise. Call out to your God. We've been calling out to these gods. Over here. I need you to cry out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So he goes upstairs, goes out of the pit. And they all said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they're playing this, this spin, do the spin. Who, whose fault is this? Jonah. Spin it again. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. It's Jonah. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What do you do for a living? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He's like, oh, I know what this is about. <laughs> and I know the God that's bringing this storm. Oh, I know him. And then the men we're exceedingly afraid. They get more afraid because Jonah's like, oh, I know what this is exactly about. And they're more afraid. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he told them he was. Oh, I'm running. Here's the deal. Is your disobedience affects other people. You may sin in private, but your effects are always public. You may sin in your closet. You may sin where nobody sees you. But your sin, it affects your family. Your sin, it affects your friends. It, it affects people around you. People around you are suffering because of your sin. Your, your sin will affect the way that you are a father. Your sin will affect the way that you lead your life and your wife and your family. Your sin will affect the way that you love your husband. Your sin will affect the kind of friend that you are. You, your sin may be done in private, but your sin will affect all those around you. And the greatest gift that you can give, the greatest gift that I can give my wife, my kids, my neighbors, my friends, and the greatest gift I can give to all of you is being close to God and ready to go when God says go. Being ready to give when God says give. Being ready to surrender when God says surrender. That's the greatest gift you can give anybody is your complete surrender to the Lord. And like Jonah, God wants to use you in their lives. God wants to use you, but you're running. And your failure to walk with God, your failure to come to Jesus is trumped by you just doing your own thing. Okay, listen, it will not only destroy you, but it has the potential of destroying those around you. The sailors on the ship are like, what are you doing? You're going to kill us. If your kids are growing up to be materialistic, it's because you are. You're pleading with your kids, hey, share, hey, give some of that. Hey, you should be generous. Hey, you should give. You should, you should give what you have, yet they've never really seen you sacrifice. They've never seen you give except out of your, your overflow rather than all that you have. But this, I only have one cookie. That's all I've got. I don't have an extra cookie. Listen, listen, honestly, I would give you a cookie if I had an extra cookie. 
that too real? If God's not joy in your life, if he's not your place of refuge, then those who are closest to you could care less about finding refuge and and strength in God. If your joy and your hope is in things of this world, and you tell people, hey, find your joy and your hope in God, they look at you and say, oh, that's fake. You're just like me. Listen, your sin affects people around you, and God wants to use you in a mighty way. If you would only just surrender. Here's the good news is that God sends storms to break people from their self-reliance. God sends storms into your life to get your attention. Now listen to me, because that's good news. Because in reality, he could have said, you go right on on that ship. You go 2,500 miles to where I want you. you. You keep riding that wave. You keep riding that wind. You go right down to Tarshish. He could have let you go. But sometimes the good news is that God uses these storms and brings these storms to get your attention, to wake you up, to to bring you to a point of surrender. Like Jonah, if we're slaves to money, God will attack it. If we're slaves to comfort, then God will, will make you sacrifice. If we're addicted to people's approval, then God will frustrate the mess out of that. If we're if we're proud, then God will make us seem small. If, if, if we're self-centered, then God will make your relationships blow up. It is the grace of God at times to send those storms. He brings them. And some of you are there right now. And now listen to me. Listen. The only way you survive the storm is Surrender. It's the only way. It's the most joyful way. It's surrender. Jonah, if he had continued to fight the storm, he would have died and killed everybody with him. But when he surrenders to God, he says, throw me into this. Throw me in the waters. You know what happened? He was saved. All the people on the ship were saved. It's miraculous. Look in verse 11. And they said to him, well, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea has grown more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick up, pick me up and throw me into the sea. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just throw me in the sea and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know that it's because of me that there's a great tempest has come upon you. Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. We ain't doing that. You know, sometimes, sometimes the hardest thing that you can do for your brother is let him go in the sea. You're not the Savior. How many times in my life do I try and be the Savior? You know what? You know what? I know you're going through it. I know you're having a hard time. I know this is all because of you, but, but I'm just going to row harder. I'm going to be there. I'm gonna, let's row this thing to the shore. We're going to work this thing out. And God's like, nah, you got to just let him go in the sea, man. How many times do we try to be the savior for people? And so they try it. The men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. Duh. God is in control here. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they, okay, all of them, they all cried out. To the Lord, which means they stop praying to the God of wind and rain and the seas. They say, I know who the Lord is, and I'm going to call out to him. They call out to the Lord, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and and don't put on us his innocent blood or our, our innocent blood for you. Oh, Lord, you have done as it pleased you. So what do they do? They picked up Jonah, and they chucked him into the sea. And all of a sudden, the sea ceased 
from its raging. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. That's the beginning of salvation. Isn't it? Fear the Lord. They feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So Jonah, check this out. They throw him in. He hits the water, and then the sea calms down. That's awesome. That's why they're afraid. What the heck? They throw him in. He hits the water. Everything's still. God brings salvation in that moment. I could see Jonah. He's like, whoo, that worked. Throw me a rope. I'll get back in. <laughs> but before he could grab the rope, a big fish, gulp, says verse 17. God appointed a fish, comes, swallows him up. And then they're probably really afraid. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. We'll talk about that next week. The book of Hebrews, over and over and over again, says today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your hearts. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, for God says, in favorable time I listened to you, and the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Some of you right now, you can relate. Maybe you're sitting next to someone who would look over at you and think, man, you got it going. Maybe the person sitting to your right or the sitting to your left would say, man, that person is absolutely on track, but you know in your heart that you are running that you're running from God, that you're a long way from God. Today, I have prayed that the word of the Lord will come to you. Maybe somewhere along the way, maybe, maybe a year ago, maybe a month, maybe it was last week, maybe it was this morning that God placed something on your heart and you just basically said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not trusting you. I'm going to trust my own way. This whole Christianity thing, it's weird to me. I don't know. I'm not trusting you. And God is saying, just come to me. Come, you're weary, you're burning, you're heavy laden. Come, I want to give you rest. I want to save you. And somewhere along the way, you keep saying, no. No, I don't want to obey you. I know what's best for my life. I know what I can do. And for as long as you can remember, you've been on the run. This morning, maybe God's trying to get your attention. Maybe you're not on the run. Maybe you're just drifting. And you're enjoying every minute of it. Just floating further and further away from where God wants you to be. Is the face of Jesus so valuable to you that you'd give up everything to possess him? Are you in a place this morning of surrender? Because when we surrender, salvation comes. For many of you, your Christianity is not about God at all. For many of you, your Christianity is about family. Many of you following the Lord is about just your upbringing or your culture. Maybe for you, your Christianity is, is about not going to hell someday. But in reality, your relationship with God is actually at a drift. You find yourself in a place where you absolutely need to surrender. Now listen, the storms in your life is not to pay you back for your sin. The storms of life is to bring you back from your sin. The storm that's going on in your heart and in your life is not to pay you back for sin. It's to, it's to bring you back from your sin. 
See, Jesus, he, he paid it all for your sin. Jesus, he was thrown overboard into the sea of God's wrath because of all of your running and all of your drifting and all of your saying, my way is better than God's way. And the storm that once raged because of you has calmed by the sacrifice of Jesus for you. It's all finished. It's been done. Jesus absorbs the wrath of God toward all of our running and all of our drifting so that we could be saved. The storm of God is not God's wrath toward you, but rather it's love as a display for you. It's not designed for retribution. It's designed for restoration. God brings the storm in order to bring you to a point of surrender so that you would be saved from all the ways that you've drifted and all the ways that you say no. So that when we're saved, we can truly know once again the joy that is found in God. So that you can know God in such a way that you could say, my God is a God of grace. My God is a God of mercy. My God is a God of patience. My God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's bringing you to the point of surrender so that you would know that God. So that you would know that he's not angry and looking to destroy, but rather he's loving you in a place that he can save. So today, instead of continuing to fight, why don't you get down on your knees? Why don't you get yourself in a place of surrender right now, wherever you are, and surrender to God? Don't keep running. God wants to bless your life. He wants to use you in mighty ways. He wants to use you in ways greater than you ever dreamed in your relationship with him, your family, your friends, even people like Nineveh and the world. What would it look like for a church in O'Fallon, Missouri, to really surrender to God's call in our life. Let's pray right now. As the band comes up. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. but I know you're calling us. Lord, here we are. Here we are. Here I am. Would you just pray that? Just pray that in your own voice, in your own whisper, in your your own lips, would you just pray that to God? Say, God, here I am. Here I am. Jesus, I ask that your word would fall upon us. Come, oh Jesus, come. Come, O oh Holy Spirit, come. Lead us, O oh God. Lead us to that point of surrender. Surrendering all I am, all my ways, all my thoughts. I give it all to you, O oh God. Today, I surrender. I'm going to give you a moment to just to just be still before God. So that you would hear the voice of what he's calling you, challenging you, a change he wants to make to transform you. Not because he's not pleased with you, but because he is. 
seek him right now. Call upon him right now. Every one of you, right where you're at, surrender. Surrender. Today, oh God, we hear your voice. We've heard your word. And today, I pray that you would help us not harden our hearts. That in favorable time, you helped us, you save us. For now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of calming storms. Now is the day of surrender towards you. Let me be a man. Let us be a people completely surrendered to you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. LifePoint Church exists to engage, encourage, and equip through the gospel for the glory of God. Therefore, it is our prayer that the word of God would be an encouragement to your heart and lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at thelifepointconnection.com give. May God bless and may your life point to Christ everywhere in every way. <laughs>